0: Hello and welcome to Mean Green Money, the UNT student money management center podcast that explores everything you need to know about personal finance in college and beyond. Today we have another episode of our Mean Green Mailbag where we're answering questions from real students about financial situations in their lives. If you want to hear your question answered on the show, Email us at moneymanagement at unt.edu with the subject line Mean Green Mailbox. I'm here today with two of our other mentors, Mo and Austin. Do y'all want to say hi? Hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? All right. So, let's see what our listeners have for us this week. It's about to be tax season, and I don't know the first thing about how to file my own taxes. What should I do?
1: Well, first, I feel like you should, whatever job that, um... <clears throat> that you had, what jobs that you had over that year, first you need to grab your W-2s. That's the first step, I think, to getting anything anywhere near um, getting your tax refund. And then after that, I feel like you would um, pick a provider that you're most comfortable with. Um, I personally do it on my phone. TurboTax is pretty simple. And then uh, you go about it that way.
0: And there are also free resources in Datton that will help you file your taxes. As long as you don't make a crazy amount of money, which most college students don't, you can go to VITA, V-I-T-A, through the United Way of Denton, and they'll be able to provide you with help filing your taxes for free. All right, let's see what's next. I'm moving away from Denton when I graduate, and I'm trying to decide if I should stick with my current bank or find a local bank near my new hometown. What's the best way to pick a bank?
2: I think when it comes to banking, um, it kind of depends on a few things. Depending on how far away you are moving from your current bank, um, if your current bank is a strictly local bank, then you may want to go ahead and just switch to another one. If it's a national bank, then there's no real point in switching.
0: Yeah, if there's a national bank, you could stick with the same one. Sometimes local banks will have better interest rates or better deals um, on loans, especially credit unions. They might have special offers for their members. So definitely check out what the different options are in your area. If you don't care about a physical branch, there are also online banks that you could use where it doesn't matter where you live because it's online. They don't have physical locations.
1: Um, for me, I think yeah, it's whatever like you're most comfortable with. I mean, if you're one person that looks at a bank and looks at what what they have to offer for you, um, whether that's uh, interest rate on a on a savings account or um, how close it is that how close they live towards you. Um, then that's something you can look at. But for me, I'm never, I never really feel too tied in with a bank. Um, if I move and there's a bank closer to me, um, it's really for my convenience.
0: So. And I think you need, there are some kind of standard things that you should be looking at, like are you going to be charged fees to have a checking account or savings account, or will you be able to get those for free through your bank? There are a lot of free options out there. And
2: The other thing, definitely when it comes to banks, make sure that, uh, you use a FDIC-insured bank. That way, no matter what happens, you'll be covered.
0: Yes, and most banks will be FDIC-insured up to $250,000. So, yeah, definitely check out that to make sure they're a real bank. Look at any kind of fees you might be charged, um, or ATM fees. If you like to get cash from ATMs a lot, that's going to matter. And then if you plan on keeping money there for any kind of period of time, checking out the interest rates on the savings accounts as well. Because I know there's a big difference between when I was using a bigger national bank and getting 0.01% versus using an online bank and getting 2%. It's not going to be a ton of money either way, but it does make a difference in providing you with a few extra dollars if you check out those interest rates before you open an account.
1: Okay, so it says here, this semester I spend $600 on textbooks, and that just feels ridiculous. How do I save money next semester?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Actually, a couple of good tips that I learned uh, pretty early on is if it is a, if your class is requiring you to buy a older edition book um, or a book that hasn't, a new edition hasn't been re- released in a couple of years, always check online because I've gotten lucky and found PDF versions for free.
0: Yeah, and never, never buy the book before your first class day because sometimes you'll find out that the professors don't actually require the book and you can learn everything you need to know in class which helps and also sometimes it might say on the syllabus that you need the most recent edition but then if you go talk to the professor um, they'll be able to tell you if that's actually true or if a previous edition which is going to cost you like a third of the amount of money will teach you the same amount of information that you need to know
1: yeah and uh, one of the you know better techniques that i hear people using is they'll ask around see who's taking that course and people will sometimes resell you a book for a cheaper price than you having to go and get it from a uh from the bookstore Bortman's or uh, barnes and noble so that's something that i I actually know a lot of people that end up doing and then like becca said look at see see what the professor has to say about the books it's not mandatory then um, don't stretch yourself out too much you know to to get the book but definitely ask around first before you go and buy it from a uh from a bookstore just because you you're
2: most likely, gonna end up saving a lot of money. If it comes to like an online, if you're needing like an up to date online version, sometimes you're just kind of out of luck, and you gotta pay full price, and that's just kind of what it is. It's usually, especially happens with like math labs or like science labs. You do stuff online, you're gonna have to pay full price for it.
0: Yeah, and but if you do end up in a situation where you need the book, but Only for, you know, a couple hours to study for an exam or you have one project out of a book. Sometimes you'll be able to find the textbooks at the library, too. They have course reserves. So if you know you're only going to need the book once in a while, you can go check it out from them for a few hours and save the money.
2: So what should I do about a large amount of credit card debt? Well, I think the first thing you should do
1: is stop waiting. You know, just kind of just get into it. I think a lot of times people with a large amount of credit card debt, they'll just kind of like wait around and let it sit there until they kind of figure it out. But for me, I think you should figure out the most comfortable way uh, for you to repay it back. Uh, whether it's um, starting to deduct a little bit from your from your check and just chipping away at it, or um, maybe using some of your some of your savings to kind of just to get started. Um, once you break that threshold. Um, the most important key for me is just to find a way uh, or find the most comfortable method for you to repay it back.
0: And I think the first step is to look at anything you've been avoiding. So if you have multiple credit cards and you know that you have a lot of debt on one, you're not really sure about the other, take them all out and put it on paper and look at it. And that might be a little bit terrifying, but you will feel better once you actually know what you're dealing with. And then I would say the second thing is to stop spending money on your credit cards for a little while. Real? Um You don't necessarily have to cut them up, but stick them in the freezer, give them, you know, lock them away somewhere where you don't have easy access to them. You need a break from spending on these credit cards so that you can tackle the debt without accumulating any more money.
2: One thing my mom does, um, and it's not something I've always been interested in, but one thing my mom does is kind of what Becca says, um, especially after the holidays, what she'll do is she'll take her card and she will just lock it away in her safety deposit box. For a couple months, so that way, any purchases that she made, over, like right before the holidays, or right over the, uh, like especially gift holidays, like around um, end of the year, um, she'll take it and lock in her safety deposit box, so she can't touch it for a couple months, and she'll work to pay off at least ninety percent of that debt that she accrued just from the holidays, and then she'll pull it out. That way, she can have it in case of emergencies.
0: And if there are a bunch of different kind of, um, if it's coming from multiple different credit cards. There are a couple of popular ways on how you can approach that. Um, one of the main ones is called the snowball. And if you're really overwhelmed, this can be a really good place to start because you start by just focusing on whatever that smallest debt is. So if there's one that's $10,000 and one that's only $500, you can knock out that $500 one first and get that easy win as motivation for working on the other ones. If they're all the same, um, you can also look at doing it by interest rate. Pay off the one with the highest interest rate first because that's the one that's going to be growing the quickest. So you want to get rid of the one that's costing you more and more every month. And then, and then you can tackle the ones that aren't accruing quite as much interest.
1: What advice do you guys have for a 401k help?
0: Use it. So what a 401k is, it's a way to save money for retirement and save money on taxes. So when you contribute to a traditional 401k, you can deduct it on your taxes. So you're not paying income tax today on the money that you're putting in there. And then you can invest that money in the account because the 401k is just the name of an account. Then you have to go in and actually pick what you want that to be invested in. And then you can let it grow all throughout your working career and have a nice little sum of money at retirement to be able to live off of when you don't have an income anymore. And I think the easiest way to get started in this is since they have those um, things where you can get it deducted from your paycheck automatically, uh, just set that and make it automatic. So that way you never have to feel kind of the pain of contributing to a 401k. It's just happening automatically. You never see that money and it's growing kind of out of sight, out of mind so that you have a good amount by the time you decide to retire.
2: Becca, do you have a 401k?
0: I don't. I do have an IRA. Um, So a 401k is going to be usually dependent on your employer, unless you're self-employed. But if you're a college student or you work somewhere where you're not offered a 401k, you can also save for retirement through an IRA or a Roth IRA and get some tax benefits for that as well.
2: And those, are they pretty easy to set up?
0: They're super easy. Um, I think mine probably maybe took me 10 minutes to set up, and then I just have it automatically putting in... A certain amount of money every month. Okay. So I never have to do anything. I never have to touch it. I never have to look at it. And it's just sitting there growing so that one day I'll have money when I want to retire.
2: That's convenient. Yeah.
0: All right, what else we got?
1: Uh, let's see. Okay. I understand that that's important to save money. So I've been trying to set aside a couple of dollars from every paycheck can only spare like $5 a week. However, it seems pointless. Is it worth to save if my savings isn't enough to buy anything? Or is there something I'm missing out? I'm missing that would let me save more. Well, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous, um, I think that the idea of having a savings account is um, very crucial for just about everyone with a bank account. Just because, a, to me, a savings account is like a cushion, right? It's like It's like... A backup plan in case something happens so just because you feel a little discouraged or I don't want to say discouraged but just the fact that you don't have that much money in there doesn't mean that you should stop um, a lot of times when it comes to budgeting and saving money you want to be adaptive if there's something going on in your life uh, or, or I should rephrase that if there's a spending habit going on um, that you feel like is just a little too much try to kind of um, you know change it up a little bit just so you can start saving a little bit more money um, you also want to look at your needs, your wants. You want to prioritize your savings account most definitely because at the end of the day, if something bad happens, that savings account is what could or most likely is going to get you out of it. So uh, definitely keep saving. Uh, if you can change up uh, your, your budgeting techniques a little bit, that could help you save a little bit more money. But um, definitely, definitely keep, keep the savings account.
0: Yeah. And even if it feels discouraging or like you're not really accumulating a lot of money, It's not just about that. It's also about building the habits and the discipline to start saving, even if it's not a lot, because you're not always going to be in the situation where you only have a few dollars left. Once you graduate, if you're working full time or you get promoted, there will be a point where you have some more money. And since you already have this habit of saving money, you're going to be able to expand on that a whole lot more easily than somebody who has never saved money before.
2: The other thing I think about is if it's, you know, $5 a week, that's... You know, that's $20 a month, right? So, 20 times 12, that's $240 at the end of the year. That's $240 that you set aside that you could have spent on something else, but now you have that money, and again, like Mo said, if there's some sort of emergency, you got that as a cushion, or if you're working towards a goal, like, you want to pay for a plane ticket, or buy a new pair of shoes or something, like, you set aside that money, and now you have that money. You can kind of do what you want with it. You kind of plan for the future if you want, or take that $240 and go do something with it. Right.
0: I think that was our last question for this week. Do y'all have any final words of wisdom you want to share with our audience?
1: Uh, keep saving, keep doing what you got to do. Um, if you're in a uh, point in your life where, you know, you're saving, you feel like you're not saving enough. Just keep at it. Um, I just try to be as adaptive as possible
2: uh, for me, but, that's really all i got to be honest the more healthy practices that you that you use throughout your t- your career and throughout your life uh, especially when it comes to money the more the better off you will be later on um, it may be difficult and maybe tough right now to be able to do things and save or pay for things but if you keep practicing and if you keep at it eventually it will get better
0: And if you ever need help or somebody to talk through your situation with you, you can always visit our office. We're not financial advisors, so nothing we say is hard advice on what you definitely should or shouldn't do, but we're here to help you talk through the different possibilities and kind of be an accountability partner, someone to bounce ideas off of, somebody to help you put these vague ideas about what you want to do on paper. We can help you with all of those things so that you're able to develop a kind of concrete plan for how you're going to pay off the debt or how you're going to save with a 401k or how you're going to save money on books. That's what we're here for, and it never costs you anything. So you're always welcome to come visit our office over in Chestnut Hall 313. That was peer mentors Mo, Austin, and Becca answering your questions about money. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the show, you can email us at moneymanagement at unt.edu. If you have any feedback or ideas from the show, you can also send them to that address. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends or subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful week.